Hello, everybody. Welcome to Medic's Mind. Thank you very much for coming by. Good morning to you. Uh, if it's morning, good afternoon. If it's afternoon, and good evening. If you're listening to this in the evening, that's my Truman Show moment. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm awake quite early. Uh, I've been awake since uh, about quarter to one. Um, officially out of bed by about one. Uh, quarter after one, one twenty, And, um, yeah, uh, I, I had therapy today on Thursday I had therapy and it was an introduction to EMDR. Now EMDR is something that I've had a lot of apprehension and trepidation towards, uh, for a myriad of different reasons. Some of the more, um, prickly points for me is, uh, I, when it comes to trauma work, when it comes to to, uh, dealing with the big stuff. Uh, I spend, and I think it's a natural thing to turn away from stuff that hurts you. You know, uh, I mean, the very first thing we do when we get too close to a flame is we pull away very sharply and quickly. And it's the same principle when it comes to emotional pain, we pull away sharply. And, uh, sometimes that's to a detriment to ourselves. Um, and, and that pull away ends up burning us. Uh, so when it comes to this stuff, the big stuff, uh, I've had a lot of trepidation towards because I, um, I, it, I spent so many years, uh, not talking about things, uh, specifically things from, from childhood. We, you know, our family, we just didn't talk about them. They just weren't discussed. They weren't topics that were open for discussion. In fact, if you just pretended they weren't there and and we ignore them, then, you know, then they didn't, then they didn't happen. You just carried on with your life and, and, you know, did what you needed to do. And, and so things, there's a lot of things that just never got addressed. And, uh, and with being a paramedic, I think I, I took some of that from, from being a kid and dealing with childhood trauma. And then as a paramedic coming home sometimes, uh, and, and just swallowing the, the ugliness of the day. And, uh, I spent years doing it. And, uh, and then I found booze, uh, because that, uh, instant gratification of, of drinking something that is, uh, changing and altering what you're feeling, uh, which in turn feels better than what, than the emotional distress that you're under. And, uh, so I spent years doing that years doing that over a decade doing that. And, uh, and now that I'm not drinking anymore, now that I'm not at all, uh, in that, uh, realm of disassociation and distraction, um, I hold a lot of worry, um, about what, what I'm going to feel like by going through and, and starting to dissect this heavy trauma work. And so I was already a little bit nervous about going in to today's session. Uh, and it's not that the EMDR session today was, was, it was like an introductory, uh, session. It was, it was not hard. It was not, uh, I mean, well, it was hard. I was completely exhausted at the end of it. Um, and, uh, but it wasn't, I mean, we didn't dive into anything huge, uh, because like I said, it was just an introduction. It was like getting the, the concept down, the, the basics down, the introduction to, this is the tools so that I had two vibrating, uh, paddles in my hand. Um, and, uh, so kind of getting used to that sensation, getting used to 
uh, you know, where I'm going to be sitting, what I'm going to be doing, are my eyes open, closed? It, so it was stuff like that. So it's not that we got into really heavy things today, but, uh, you know, some things came anyway. Um, plus the, the act of having to concentrate on something and, uh, uh, and, and kind of fabricate things in my mind. I mean, we talked about creating a box, uh, a heavy box, uh, a heavy duty lock box where I could put things inside of that box, i.e. putting traumas inside of that box. And, uh, it was, it was a fatiguing exercise, um, because the entire time that I'm doing stuff, I know what I'm doing it for. And I know that we're leading into things and, uh, you know, it's trauma work is not fun. And, um, so I nervous, nervous, nervous. I was, I spent most of the day nervous in, uh, when I walked out of that session, exhausted. Um, I, I ended up going home and when I got home, I felt myself, uh, dozing off on the couch. So I sat up and I said, no, I can't do that. If I, if I fall asleep, then I, you know, I'm going to screw up my whole cycle. So I went to the local, uh, pub and eatery that I usually go to, ordered some salmon, had a tea. Uh, it's the kind of place, it's the kind of fancy that when you order a tea, they bring it out on a charcuterie board. <laughs> that's the tray that your tea comes out on is a charcuterie board. So, uh, that's the kind of place I was sitting in. Uh, and, uh, generally when I was drinking, that's the place I would go to as well because the eye nourishment in that place is rich. <laughs> there is very, 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 very beautiful women that work there. So it's, uh, it's a good distraction place. Uh, but I, you know, I just ordered this food and, uh, had a tea and then, uh, I took the food to go. So I went home had some dinner and then, um, I was trying to watch TV. I couldn't concentrate. So then I tried to read for a little while. Uh, I tried to kind of doodle in my book for a bit and, uh, yeah. So, uh, there was that. Um, but then I, uh, my head was just bobbing when I was sitting there. I got by about nine o'clock I was done. Uh, I had to go to bed. And so I, I crawled into bed at nine and, uh, and thought, hey, this is great. I'm going to sleep and then I can get up early and it'll be great. Uh, unfortunately, I ended up diving into a nightmare. Uh, unbeknownst to me, um, that's the kind of night it was going to be. Uh, I mean, I was ready for bed. I didn't have the same worry and angst that I, I typically have because I was so tired. I was just ready to pass out. But the nightmare came. The bad things came. Um and this particular nightmare was a, a direct recall of a call that I had been to. I've spoken about it briefly in the past, uh, but the short version of it uh, is that when I was working as a, a medic, um, I responded to an old lady at a nursing home. And when we had gotten to scene, the nurses had moved her to the floor. And uh, sorry, I'm doing nurses in air quotes because I don't know what kind of quality of care these people have, but they seemed completely out of their element and anyway they had moved this lady to the floor and she was having obvious agonal respirations and so we started diving into work and uh somewhere off in the uh in the distance ephemerally we heard somebody mention dnr do not resuscitate and so my partner uh asked for clarification on that said hey wait what are you talking about what do you mean don't resuscitate does this person have a do not resuscitate order? And the nurse goes, uh, yes. And we're like, we need to see that immediately. Where is it? Oh, it's at the desk, I think. She didn't leave at that point to go get it. Uh, 
She had to be told by my partner, go fucking get this thing. We need to see it. So, um, I'm, I'm sitting there now. I have, I'm putting the monitor on this lady is, uh, she needs work. Uh, you know, she is, uh, she's in VTAC and things are not well, things are not good. Uh, we need to either work this or do nothing. And, uh, Waiting for that uh, folder to come seemed like it took forever. I don't think it was in retrospect just because of uh, how quickly everything else seemed to move. Uh, but they they bring the folder back and it says, don't do anything. Basically, the DNR says, no transport measures, no comfort, like nothing. Don't do anything. Just leave it. Uh, doesn't want to be transported to the hospital. Don't do anything to us and uh, or to me is what the DNR said. So... I stood up, uh, and the lady was still gasping, uh, on the floor. Uh, not as much. It, it was kind of done at this point, but, uh, as I'm sitting there, I had the laptop in my hand, the tough book I take, I picked it back up and I was, uh, typing the demographics in and I, I, I felt this lady, uh, uh, her hand was tapping against my boot. And not purposefully. This wasn't, this wasn't like a, her tapping me for help. It wasn't anything like, it was just, uh, her body going through the things that it goes through. Uh, unsettling. That is an unsettling thing, uh, to have had happen. Uh, so I remember taking a couple steps back so that I was then out of reach of this, uh, this lady and, uh, Filling out the rest of the paper, this lady died on the floor. Um, dead on the floor uh, while we were doing our paperwork. Supervisor comes, uh, kind of holds over, like takes over scene for us, uh, and and we go back into service. The nightmare portion of that, the way that manifests in my nocturnal bellum, um, is is at as as I'm sleeping it feels like I'm in my bed but it doesn't feel like I'm asleep yet and all of a sudden I can feel somebody grabbing at my toe and pulling on my foot and it's as real a sensation as if you if you take your hand right now and you wrap it around your arm and you feel that sensation of a hand around it's that tangible it's that palpable it feels intensely real and uh unsettling returns and uh it's terrifying absolutely terrifying but then i can't move and uh that also becomes terrifying so uh i end up trying to wake up uh or or trying to get out of bed because i i don't know that i'm asleep i'm trying to get out of bed but i can't then the next thing is, uh, I in my head I'm screaming and I want to scream, but I can't scream out loud. And then eventually I wake up screaming. Uh, so that was that was one. Um, I I was I went and got a changed my shirt because I had sweat through my shirt, so I changed my shirt and uh, and rolled back over and tried to go back to sleep uh, on the other side of the bed. And then I I started to hear a rattle sound um, deep inside my ears and. Uh, that too comes from a place of experience uh, when I was carrying one of my fallen brethren um, when I was in the military. Uh, I carried his casket 
And uh, yeah, unfortunately, there's uh, there's some sounds associated with that, and it that rattle is very uh, distinct for me. And so I started hearing that, and again, I wanted to move and get out of bed, but I couldn't move. I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't. I couldn't scream again until eventually I, I wake up screaming. Uh, so in times that it doesn't feel like I'm asleep, I am asleep. And it's absolutely disorienting and, and horrifyingly frightening. So by about, uh, I'd say, one th- like 1.20 a.m., I finally got out of bed uh, and I... Unable to go back to sleep, so I, I sat down for a while. I turned uh, my, my my Philips Hue onto. Uh, I have a mode where it can it changes colors. Uh, Philips Hue. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's just like an LED light, but you can change the the brightness and stuff like that. Anyway, you can also change uh, its theme, and I, I put on a fire theme, so it kind of changes from you know some orange and. And yellows, but very soothing, uh, and it, it changes very slowly. So it's very soothing. And then I, I put on a uh, mindfulness oration from YouTube that I found that works pretty well, and uh, tried to settle that way. And um, it, it didn't work. Uh, it didn't work at all. I did not feel settled. I did not feel comforted. I, I, I felt uh, just I was rattled. Uh, by both the rattling sound and feeling somebody is pulling at my toe. Now, in the past, uh, historically, the way I would deal with those things, because this this isn't new. These things aren't new. bothering me for years now. And so historically, the way I dealt with them was I would drink because that sudden instant gratification of change of, of uh, sensations, uh, i.e. getting intoxicated, was was the thing it was the the mode and i'm not saying i want to drink that's not what i'm saying but i'm saying that these things that happen tonight are part of part of the contribution to my my trepidation towards emdr because i'm going to be unearthing some stuff and i'm going to be putting stuff on on the front burner again and uh and my sessions are only an hour long so at the end of that hour I have 23 hours remaining in the day that I need to confront those things and confront how I feel about those things, how I feel about that session, how I feel about what I went through in that hour, hour session. And uh, I'll tell you right now, sometimes those hour sessions feel like two, three hour sessions in my mind. Uh, It's insane how fast an hour can go and how long you can be sitting down for that period of time. It is insane. Uh, the the juxtaposition between real time and emotional time completely different. Um, so my worry is is that is is the emotion going to be too much? Because stuff like this, stuff like right now, uh, you know, I I'm using this outlet, the the podcast outlet. I'm using this to try and help calm myself so that I can go back to bed. I want to go back to bed before the sun comes up. I want to try and get some sleep. I want to get some sleep, but I don't want to sleep in, you know, I don't want to sleep until noon. I, I, I don't want to be that tired. I want to be able to get some sleep and get up during the day and be able to do stuff and feel like a human being, feel normal. Uh, even if I have to fake it, which I, I, I will at this point, because, uh, 
after dreams and nightmares and stuff, I, I generally feel rattled for a while. And uh, the one thing that I've been doing, uh, because part of what alcohol, part of the role alcohol played for me was that it's bitter. The taste is bitter. The taste is strong. It's very distinct. It's a very unique flavor. Alcohol is a very unique thing. Uh, I mean, obviously, depending on what you're drinking. I wasn't drinking any good stuff. I mean, I was drinking good scotch, and I like scotch, but it has a unique flavor, a unique bitterness to it. And so what I've started doing uh, at the end of Tough Sessions is ordering tonic water. Now, I don't like tonic water at all. I think it has a weird flavor to it, but it's such a strong and unique introduction of distraction to me that it sort of has taken place of alcohol. So in those moments where I'm like, I, I need some distraction, I need something to take away my my precipitously falling thoughts. I need something to do. So, you know, my body instinctively, you want to run to the bar, okay, go to the bar. What are you going to do? Tonic, just order a tonic. And uh, I'm fortunate that I've built up a relationship with the bartenders that I've been able to be open with them and say, listen, I don't drink anymore and I'm going to need some help sometimes. And so here's the list of things that, that I'm going to order. And if I tell you that I'm kind of having a rough time, if you can just give me a tonic, I'd really appreciate it. So that's, that's what I did. I was proactive in that regard. I went to the bar and said, Hey, listen, guys, I didn't get into too much detail because I mean, they're, they're acquaintances as opposed to, uh, you know, real friends, so to speak. You know what I mean? So I don't get into D. I don't tell them what's going on. I don't tell them. I just say, hey, with this regard, you can help me out. And uh, and so I sat there with a, a tonic at the end of some of my sessions. And it's, and it's been working. And I also bought some tonic water for home. So I have some tonic water in the fridge. Uh, not currently because I've gone through it all, unfortunately. So uh, I am tonicless. But just as a Anybody else that's struggling uh, with relation to drinking, tonic water uh, or drinking and trauma, tonic water seems to be working for me. Uh, I, I don't know if you've ever tried that, but uh, feel free to give it a try because it's been working for me. It's uh, it's like I said, it's just a unique flavor. It's not a good flavor by any means. Don't get me wrong. It's not good at all. It's not an enjoyable drink, but you know what? I wasn't enjoying the majority of stuff that I was drinking anyway, so I've just substituted alcohol content, basically. Uh, Instead of having ordering something with a point something percentage, I just order something that is going to shock my palate and maybe stimulate my vagus nerve a little bit and try to get back into some form of regulation. Because moving forward in this EMDR process, moving forward in this uh, therapy um, protocol, I'm going to need some stuff that settles me, that brings me back into regulation because I, I know how my mind works. I know how my brain works and I hate my brain to be completely honest. I hate the fact that it has taken some of the stuff that it has and, and has chosen to remember it the way that it does. I, I fucking hate it, but it has. And, uh, and so I know that at the end of sessions, especially when we start diving into the big stuff, like the boy, uh, and, and the suicides and, some of the other trauma calls and family stuff, my dad, my mom, diving into stuff. I know 
that when I walk out of those sessions and I confront the 23 hour, hours remaining in the day, I know that I'm at risk of falling into complete dysregulation and I need to have plans now. I need to have things set up now ahead of time so that I know what to do. So what I've done, I, I bought a new, a new carry bag. Uh, I have like a messenger bag. That's usually where I put my laptop and books and stuff into. But I, I bought this bag for a couple of different reasons. One, yes, I can have my books in there. Yes, I can have a sketch pad or laptop or whatever in there. But there's also pockets on the inside for where you can put bottles. And tonic bottles are generally kind of smaller than just pop bottles. So I'm going to carry some tonic around with me on those days when I have to go to therapy. So that when I, when I leave her office, because I can't stay in her office for... Uh, for longer than my sessions. Uh, but when I leave there and I'm dysregulated and I feel myself falling down that, that rabbit hole and I'm, I'm not in my safe space yet, I'm not home yet, I have a, a ways to travel, I can have some tonic water and then I could start using my other stuff. Okay, you have the tonic water, it hits the back of your throat, now it's stimulating some of that vagus nerve, pull out the sage sniffer, got the sage sniffer, smell something nicer. Smell something soothing. Smell something that you know its symbolism is comfort. Its symbolism is regulation. Its symbolism is centering one's self. So focus on those things. And uh, that's those are the things that I'm, I'm trying to do um, tonight. Like right now, as I'm sitting here talking to you, I have the sage sniffer here uh, in my hand. And, uh, and I'm using that. Um, I'd, li- I'd like to go back to bed right now, but... Unlike earlier, when I was just tired and ready to pass out, now I'm tired and I want to pass out, but I'm also afraid of my bed. Uh, and I know that sounds strange coming from a 36-year-old guy, but my bed, uh, sometimes it doesn't treat me very nice. Uh, the pillows hold bad things. My eyes, the curtains of my eyes, they hold bad things. And uh, so I'm a little nervous. And I know that I know that I have to at least try to go to sleep. So, uh, I wanted to come on here, orate some things aloud, see if I can release some, like a steam valve, so to speak, if I can release some stuff into the ether and, and then maybe if I release enough of that, I'll be able to lay down and, and get some sleep or at least lay down in the bed. Step one, step one right now for me, objective number one get into bed. That's objective number one. And, uh, and I'm trying, I, I am trying despite the fact that I'm on here talking to you guys right now. Uh, I'm hopeful that I can get back into bed, uh, at some point. I hate nightmares. I, I don't know if I can explain to you just how much I hate them. They, They are so sinister and so potent and I can't stand it. I, I can't, I wish that there was a way to just make them go away now, you know, but unfortunately there isn't. And that's part of this EMDR thing. That's part of going through my trauma. That's part of going through and, and dissecting things. And I get the concept of it. I do. And I, I fully comprehend that this is something I need to do. I know that I can't spend the rest of my years trying to distract the trauma or push it away because uh, I spent years doing it and it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's a, it, it works ephemerally. 
It works for a time, for a period, but all I ended up doing was just poisoning myself deeper. You know, the the more, when I was working as a medic, I had the luxury of the next call. I always had the next call to go to. There was always another call. There was always something else. So I had to, I had to quote unquote, suck it up. I had to swallow it in order to make it to the next call. But sometimes when you go to enough sad calls, you got to start building up a bit of a callus. And the easiest way that I found for me doing that was sort of, in a way, dehumanizing the people, putting them in different sections. Oh, this guy's a, this guy's a drug seeker. Oh, well, this guy's just a trailer trash, you know, uh, inbred, blah, blah, blah. It was just putting them in these non-human bins and to, that made it easier to deal with the sadness of it all. And, uh, and it's not the right way to do things. This is not advice. Me saying though that past couple of scenes, that's not advice. That's not a way to be a paramedic. It's not, it, uh, it is not, it is not the way to go. It's just, it's shamefully, it's what I did because that was how I was making it from one call to the next. Because sometimes you go to things that are just heartbreaking and in uniform, you don't, you can't, you can't cry with the family because it's not your emergency. It's not your tragedy, but being around sadness is just sad. And, uh, you know, being around a mom who's just lost her kid, that's sad. No matter what way you dissected, that's sad. And that's fine that you can recognize that it's sad, but sometimes it was bleeding into me. That pain was bleeding into me. And, uh, and unfortunately the way that I dealt with it outside of being at work, the way I dealt with it at home, drink. Again, shocking the vagus nerve, but in a very different way. Uh, just trying to drink my mind silent. And uh, that was tough to do uh, in the thralls of a bad relationship too. Uh, a lot of times I would just, we would just be fighting. Uh, there was there was one time where um, where I came home early, not because I had a bad call, but we were fighting, uh, I can't remember, something had happened. Anyway, we were fighting for a, a decent period of time, like a day's day, consecutive days period of, of time. And, uh, and she ended up sending me a random text message when I was at work because I was ignoring her texts and phone calls. So she sent me a picture of a pregnancy test and it said positive. And so I phoned her and then she ignored my call. I phoned her again. She ignored my call. And again, she ignored. And then finally she picked up. She told me that she was pregnant and that she had just found out. And so I was too rattled to stay at work. I told my soup that I need to go back home. I told him what was going on. I was very transparent with him. He said, yeah, go deal with your stuff. So I went home and, uh, and we had a big talk and then I had asked to see the, the pregnancy test said she didn't have it. So she threw it out in a dumpster around like a different section of the city. I was like, what are you talking about? And she goes, well, I I, did, I took the test in a public bathroom and I look at the picture. I was like, no, this is our bathroom counter and floor. Like, what are you talking? You took it here. So she storms out of the house and, uh, and so I went upstairs and I started sifting through and it was buried at the bottom of our garbage. And, uh, it was, it was faked. Uh, she had drawn on it. She had drawn a, a positive sign on the, on the test. And so, 
there was a bar about uh it was walkable probably about 500 600 meters away from my place it's a really shitty cd bar it wasn't a good place to be but i i walked there and uh i proceeded to get absolutely fucking annihilated and she came and found me and uh and tried to take me out of the bars so i paid my bill and i started walking out and i i think in my head if i remember correctly i planned on getting in the car and going home with her but she said the words, how could you do this? And uh, she was referring to just going to get drunk. And uh, and I snapped. And I was like, how can I do this? How can I do this? And I started screaming at her. I was like, you faked a fucking pregnancy test, forcing me to come home from work because of this, because of a fucking fake pregnancy. And then I started calling her every name in the book. And then I turned to her and I was, I was so enraged at this point because... And something that she didn't know because I just didn't tell her. I never talked to her about it. Earlier that tour, uh, I had gone to a miscarriage at home, a really terrible miscarriage where this, where this woman was, she was on the toilet when we got to the call. White as a ghost, almost as white as the porcelain that she was sitting on. And it was her first, uh, first child or was supposed to be their first child. And, uh, she said, uh, I'm bleeding, but I, I, something came, something big came out. I feel a big clot come out. And, um, yeah, she had miscarried, uh, into the toilet and, uh, that messed me up a little bit. Um, because, uh, they, for a different, a myriad of different reasons. Uh, but I, I remember being really sad after that call because I, I looked at the home, the home was beautiful. The couple were beautiful. He was a handsome guy. She was a beautiful woman. And I felt really bad for them because the the guy was breaking down and the woman was obviously completely and utterly distraught and beyond consoling. And uh and I and then I had this situation where I hadn't been able to talk about it yet. Uh it wasn't one of those calls that had required critical stress debrief. So we didn't go through a critical stress debrief for it. So I didn't talk to anybody about it because it was just a call that we went to. You know, but the most that had happened was when we went back to station and we went through this call and they said, oh, Jesus, too bad. And then that was it. That, that was that, you know, then we just talked about other stuff. We talked about the fucking Blue Jays, I think. And then when I went home, I never told uh, Ash about it. I never said anything. Um, and I tried to just be normal. I tried to be present at home. And uh, I was not very good at that. I don't think being present at home and, um. And then this whole thing happened. We were arguing for a few days and then she faked the pregnancy test. And I think that's everything came out in anger because uh, that was my release valve. That was my thing. Just exploding in anger after being completely liquor drunk. And then you know what I did the next day? Uh, I got drunk uh, again. And I spent my days off drunk, uh, drunk and angry. And, uh, I'd moved all my stuff to the spare room again. Like it, that was kind of a common thing. We'd fight. I'd move my stuff to the spare room. Spend a week down there. We'd, you know, fuck, make up, repeat cycle. And uh, and then that's what I did with trauma too. I would drink and distract. And then I would say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slow down on drinking. So I'd move my stuff back figuratively. 
Well, that doesn't work. So drink, fight, and go back. And now with this, with tonight happening, with the nightmares that happen tonight, this would be something that would, like I said, historically, I would go and drink. I would go and distract. I would go and do what I need to do in order to feel better so that I could go back into bed. But now that I'm not doing that, I have to try and do something else, which is where the podcast comes in, which is where releasing this steam comes in so that maybe by doing this, by already stuff out loud, by reshuffling the deck of thoughts, I can put them in such a place that allows me the time to go, go and lay back in bed. That's all I can hope for. That's the best thing to hope for. And then when I get up today, obviously first order of business is I have to go on human because uh, I got to go buy some more tonic water. Uh, I like soda water. Okay, so I like soda water. Like San Pellegrino is good. Uh, Perrier is good. I can't remember the name of the tonic water that I get, but it's just, it's this gross. It's not good, but it works. It works. It's something that I found works for me because it's it's a shock. So though that's my order of business. That's what I'm going to go do. Um, and I'm going to go do that. And I'm not going to go fake a pregnancy test because who does that? Who the hell does that? Yeah. Anyway, so that's that's it for me. That's, uh, that's Those are my plans. Uh, I don't know anybody out in the listener verse if you guys have gone through EMDR, what your experiences has been with it. But if you uh, if you feel like reaching out and just you don't have to get into details and want to know about your traumas or anything, but uh, if you have any uh, anything that you want to say with relation to EMDR, things that maybe you that work for you with relation to fear and trepidation towards trauma work, um, I'd be happy to receive any sort of. Uh, any sort of feedback or advice that you may have, I'd be happy to receive it. So please feel free to email me, uh, head over to medicsmind.com and there's the contact form there that you can, you can go through and send me, a, send me an email. Uh, and anybody who, who hasn't done EMDR yet and is, is, uh, you know, they're working with their therapist to about, uh, about to start it. And if you're worried about it, I feel your, feel your pain. I just did it today. The introduction to it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Like the actual, the tool aspect and the and the uh, the structure of I think of kind of how it's going to go wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. It was a little less painful than I thought it was going to be. So that that aspect is good. Um, you know the the little pa- I didn't really know what to expect with relation to the paddles, and I know there's different versions of EMDR. Like uh, like some are like you know, moving your gaze around really fast, I think, or like uh, sounds as well, I think is another one on sound on one side of the ear, then the other, like alternating sounds. Um, but this was okay because it was just holding, like I, I just rested the, these two little vibrating paddles beneath my palms and had my palms on my lap and, and then you just feel them. So anybody who hasn't been through that aspect yet, it's not that bad. Uh, the initial, the initial setup isn't bad. So I'll keep you guys posted as I go through. I'll keep you posted as to what uh, what it's like. And uh, I'm obviously going to keep plowing through um, and uh, come out the other side. It's uh, I don't know when, when I get to the end of that. that other, I don't know when that other side is going to be. But, uh, you know, I, I got a friend that always says to me, uh, this is one 
one bad session down. This is one less session of dealing with it. And uh, I kind of like that, um, that, that thought modality uh, because it's true. It's one less session. I, uh, and it's one more successful session, one more completed session. So uh, with that, uh, I don't, I don't feel <laughs> more ready to go to bed. Uh, but I think what I am going to do, uh, is I'm going to lay on the couch and try to read for a bit. If I can't read, then, uh, I'm just going to resign myself to the fact that it's going to be an early, early day and, uh, and I'm going to need to get used to that. So I'm going to get showered and I'm going to go for a walk and, uh, you know, if I need to nap throughout the day, uh, at least try and do it very, 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 uh, short interval. Um, but I'm going to try and reset again so that I can keep this, uh, getting up at, uh, at nine 30, uh, regimen going, or who knows, maybe I'll fall asleep and be able to get up at nine 30. Who knows? But that's, the that's the plans going forward. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening. Appreciate it as always. You guys are amazing. And if you're out there working right now, be safe. If your shift is coming to a close, uh, hopefully you get off without any overtime. Hopefully you can get home crawling with your loved one or, you know, a dog. Dogs are better than people. And uh, thank you very much for what you do. So above all, be safe, be well, and keep talking to each other.